News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you on this Thursday night of Breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110 as always is the telephone number to call the show. And guys, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. And if you've been following me on Twitter today, unfortunately, I was the one that broke the story for the second time this week of a crack, uh, a serious car crash involving students. Uh, Monday broke the story about, unfortunately, about the student dying from Rocky River. And then today, this, mo- this afternoon, I broke the story about four kids from Geringer High School uh, that were involved in a serious car crash. Three looked to be okay. One is still in critical condition. So uh, just a lot of stuff going on before the holidays. So that's why I always say follow me on Twitter or X. Okay, so we do have a special show for you tonight. Last night we had Sheriff Gary McFadden in the studio for the full hour. And tonight, something a little bit different. Now, Shannon Finn has been in studio with me a couple different times. She is the former CMPD officer. She worked, you know, what, over a decade, just over a decade, of, uh, if my memory serves me correct, uh, working at CMPD. And then left because of a lot of things that were going on that just weren't right and a lot of things that were just happening. And we talked to her a couple of different times about that and, you know, the psychology of things and the mental health specifically about CMPD officers. But joining me in studio tonight, along with Shannon, is Lauren Frazier. Now, Lauren Frazier is a professional, is a person that gives the polygraph for a living, the polygraph test, the lie detector test, if you will, and was an employee of the city of Charlotte, but worked specifically for CMPD, her and her partner, Daniel Smolik. And they have, they both resigned on the same day, I don't know, maybe close to two weeks ago, concerning things that were very concerning to them, things that were not right going on with the polygraph, specifically while trying to give them to the new recruits that were coming in CMPD. And Lauren has agreed graciously to come in and tell her story. And the reason you should listen is because a lot of this stuff can be very concerning. Are there people being passed, put through the ranks with CMPD that have no business being officers just because they're more than 500 officers short? They will tell you that they're 300 short, but in reality, they're about 500 short when you take into account the fact that you can't count hire backs, people that have retired, but come back, work um, 20 hours a week or 1,000 hours a year, and primarily are just on traffic patrol or game day patrol at the Panther Stadium. And the fact that they're really, they were allotted about 2,000 officers but put it back down to 1,800. So now they can say, oh, we're only 300 short instead of 500 short when they really should be closer to 2,100. But Lauren is in studio with us tonight. So Lauren, first of all, thank you for joining us tonight. I, I really do appreciate it, and I know the listeners will as well. Thank you. And Shannon, thank you for coming in as well. Appreciate that. My pleasure. Thank you, thank you. All right. So Lauren, let's before we start diving into the deep end, let's sort of stick our toe in a little bit here. Okay. Talk specifically what you did, you and your partner, Daniel Smolik, did and for how long for the city of Charlotte and what your responsibilities were within CMPD. Because everyone knows lie detector tests aren't usable in a court of law, but they are within CMPD and government agencies. Correct. So the polygraph is not used for um, any disqualification purposes. It's really used as an investigative tool to find out more information for the background investigators to look into certain areas that might be a little bit concerning. So I was there about four years. My partner uh, came out about a year ago, and we were solely 
polygraph examiners for pre-employment. So we tested both officers and civilians coming into the department. And talk about the polygraph. Um, like, how long do you have to go to school? And because um, I made the comment to someone privately today um, after reading, you know, some of the notes that you had put together, that is like, okay, this one's highly educated because you can tell just by the way she writes. Because being a former writer, you can tell someone who's educated who's not. And so I was like, she's educated, very well educated. So how does one become a polygraph examiner? So there's multiple ways you can become a polygraph examiner. Um, one of the main ones is working in criminal justice for a long period of time and transitioning. Um, some departments will send people to polygraph school, which is a 10-week program. For myself, I had a little bit of a different path. Um, I started out in psychology and received a bachelor's degree. Typically, most places will require a bachelor's degree for a polygraph examiner. So I obtained my bachelor's degree in psychology, worked in the psychology field for about a decade before I decided to transition over into polygraph. And I went down to Georgia to do my 10-week program. University of Georgia or in Atlanta? No, it's a place called the American International Institute of Polygraph. Oh, where's that at? I'm just curious. It was in Atlanta at the time. Um, it just moved to Peachtree City. Oh, yeah. Know both of those pretty well. Um, okay, so so now you, you go down there, you get the certification and everything, and you get your license, and you get a job with the city of Charlotte, correct? Um, actually, first I started out in Connecticut, where I'm initially from, and I was working with probation and parole testing sex offenders for about a year before I received the job in Charlotte. So when so you came to show you said about four years ago? Correct. Okay. So with CMPD in the city of Charlotte, you were in charge of exam or issuing these polygraph exams to the new recruits coming in amongst other duties that you had within the department. But that was a um, I would assume that would be a big pretty big role mm -hmm. uh, dealing with all the new recruits coming in, making sure that they're fit in order to be um, soon to be uh, officers. Correct. That was our main role. So, so how long does a polygraph test usually take? It really depends on the department and what they're looking for. CMPD had a pretty extensive uh, background process. So you would be looking at usually between two and a half hours on average, four hours on the high side. So now that there's been a shortage, uh, like I just laid out there, more than 500 officers, probably closer to 600, and... And the fact that Charlotte is growing by 113 people. I'm make sure I get the exact number. 113 people every day move to Charlotte. Mm -hmm. That's the stat. But yet the police department's not getting bigger. If anything, it's getting a little bit smaller. Um, as people res retire, resign because they don't like the stress, the headaches, family reasons, whatever. So there's a lot of stress and pressure to try and fill all these vacancies that are there. And CMS, or I keep saying CMS, CMPD just put out a big thing a couple weeks ago, a month or so ago, about how they had over 80 new recruits, the biggest recruiting class in the history of CMPD. Mm -hmm. um, I've been told that number's already been whittled down to about 60. 65. 65. Well, thank you, Shannon. I appreciate that. <laughs> Smoke and mirrors. Uh, so uh, of those, uh, of the 80 that are so that, it, that came in there, um, you would have to be in, you would be in charge of in talking to every single one of them and administering a test to all of them. Either myself or my partner Daniel, yes. Okay, and so how far along in the process does that take place? Does that take place after or before they start going through all their training classes and all that, or in the midst of it? 
No, they come in for their JARPA and their initial interview, and then they're typically sent to polygraph from there. What was the first thing you said? JARPAT, which is their physical fitness test. Okay, physical fitness test yes. and then all the other stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so when we come back, I want to get into the part where, okay, you're starting to administer all the tests to all the new recruits and everything, and then there's also starting to be a lot of pressure from the people above on things to do, not to do, how to fill out forms, how not to fill out forms, and things going forward like that. And so I want to get into all that because, you know, there, you know, is CMPD putting people out there just for the sake of filling and having a breathing person out there as opposed to having a qualified person out there. So we're going to get into all that when we come back. She's Laura Frazier. She's also Shannon Finn. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with... Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. Brett Jensen here with you going up until 8 o'clock. Got a special show for you tonight. We've got Lauren Frazier and Shannon Finn in studio with us. Lauren Frazier was with CMPD and the city of Charlotte for about four years as one of the main polygraph examiners for the city and for CMPD that dealt with all the recruits. And Shannon Finn was a longtime CMPD officer that resigned out of frustration and mental health as well. So we're here talking to Lauren about her and her partner, Daniel Smolik, who each resigned on the exact same day, basically in disgust and protest, if you will, the way CMPD is handling and trying to get their new recruits just through the door, regardless of what background is maybe and stuff like that. So Lauren, when each person in charge of finding recruits is in charge of finding at least five people per recruiting class, or they could end up being back out being a, a, a patrol officer. Is that correct? Correct. So there's a lot of pressure on them to find people. Mm -hmm. Now, in the process of all this, at the end of all the notes, and usually you guys would talk about you know the suitability for criminal justice and any other observations that, that were out there that need to be reporting, such as appearance or their attitude or interest in criminal justice and their conduct during the interview and any other pertinent information. But, but now you've been basically told to, hey, erase all that. We're not doing any of that anymore. We just want you to basically say, hey, the person's completed all the steps and not give any information about the person so the civil service will see it and not have any red flags. Correct. Um, I myself am not part of that process. This is more for the recruiters, but I work so closely with the recruiters. I hear their frustrations as well. And they've been talking a lot about how it's been hard to voice their concerns with the current chain of command that's there. And they've now been pretty much told that um, they need to write a blanket statement in most of their applications at the end stating that all the required steps have been completed and they're not allowed to use the word recommend. They will not recommend somebody anymore. So now let's get to the polygraph test. So they bring in all these people, the 81 people like they most recently did for the recruiting class to try and fill a lot of the gaping holes that are there. And now comes the polygraph part. So now you, your main supervisors were sworn CMPD officers, correct? Correct. And what was, uh, you said, uh, so I'm trying to look at some of the stuff and like, so like the polygraph falls under them, just like sort of like they make that part a very big priority when it comes to all of the recruiting process, correct? Yep. Okay, so on top of that, so what would happen or what was going on that led to your frustration 
And you and your partner, Daniel Smolik, when you guys decided, you know what, we can't deal with this anymore. So let's just start walking through the process of what has been going on recently with CMPD and the way they're trying to bring in recruits. I think they have a lot of pressure to bring in recruits because the numbers are so low. So they're putting a lot of funding and energy into recruiting people. And because of that, there's a lot of pressure on both the recruits and Polygraph to get people through that process as easily as possible. Um, We started having issues, myself and my partner, when we came to our chain of command and we were asking for them to honor sending us for training hours because... Uh, Once a year, we usually go to a training to maintain our training hours for certification. And these are to really keep us up to date with any improvements in the polygraph community, in the polygraph field, anything that would be new and upcoming. Um, And they refuse to allow us to continue doing that. So in the process of giving all these polygraph tests, as the recruits going through this, they may have extensive interviews with a lot of different people and have to do a lot of different things. And they, they usually issue the polygraph test the following day or a couple of days later mm-hmm. because it could just be a very long and stressful, arduous road mentally. Mm-hmm. And because polygraph measures what? Heart rate, blood pressure, sweat glands, something like that? Yes, yeah, sweat gland activity. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So I watch, I watch Perry Mason. <laughs> so anyways, um, all right. So. We get to that point. So what was going on the first time that you raised concerns to your superiors about what was going on with the recruiting class and the interviews with the polygraph? So I had one particular polygraph where I was asked to conduct it after the person came in for their physical fitness test and then also went through their recruiting interview that morning. This person was not able to take a lunch and was asked to just go right into polygraph. I myself had just finished conducting a polygraph, and um, they had asked me to do it just after I finished that that morning polygraph. Now, in polygraph, you have a lot of nuances to it because of all the, the physiological things that you're looking at. So you don't want somebody to be exhausted, either mentally or physically. And in this case, he came in and did his physical fitness test and was probably mentally exhausted from his interview. And I recommended that he come back another day to complete that polygraph. Um, because of the concerns that I was raising, um, I ended up in IA. Explain what that is. uh, Internal affairs, because I was raising concerns that um, was going against what my chain of command was asking me to do. So you're going against, you raised concerns, and now they're basically saying, oh, you're being insubordinate. Shannon, in terms of recruits, because there is pressure to find all these new people, and they've lowered the standards and many people may not know they've lowered the standards significantly on who can be a CMPD officer now. Correct. And, and they've done that across the country. Um, yep. unfortunately just trying to get bodies, but from my understanding, um, you can use schedule one substances like cocaine, heroin, uh, meth prior to 2020 and still become a police officer. Um, very addictive drugs. So you, which you come in contact with regularly on the job, um, you can have a felony, I believe, and now now have a job with CMPD. Um, and you do not have to pass the JARPAT, which is the physical fitness test, as long as you can pass the final test at the end of the academy. And I also know that um, from many multiple people have told me that they've lowered the reading standards, that you now only have to be able to read at a 10th grade level. Or you don't have to speak English, because I think there's two in there now that don't speak English. 
Well, yeah, and considering that you know the population of Charlotte is growing in the yeah. Hispanic community, but it would it would still would probably be nice to be able to speak English mm -hmm. if there's an emergency there, situation. Yeah, definitely be some hindrances to that. Right, but. absolutely. Okay, so they've lowered the standards. Some things are starting to change around with polygraph. So when we come back, we're going to dive deeper into this and let you know some more of the other things that were going on over there and why Lauren Frazier and Daniel Smolik, the two polygraph givers, examiners, resigned on the exact Welcome back to Breaking with Brett Jensen. I am Brett Jensen. We're going up until 8 o'clock. Lauren Frazier, the recently resigned polygraph examiner with CMPD in the city of Charlotte, as well as Shannon Finn, who was a longtime CMPD officer before she resigned as well. So, all right, Lauren, so we know we talked about the recruiting process and how there's a lot of pressure to fill these positions and how there's also... Um, the standards have been laxed greatly on who can now be applied to be an officer, whether you've got a felony, and just as long as you haven't used hardcore drugs since 2020, and you've got maybe a DUI here or there, can't even speak English, you're good to go. You're good to go as long as you can get through the polygraph exams and not even any longer the, the physical exams, but just as long as you can get through the process quickly. So now in terms of nepotism, let's talk about that. Okay. How bad of a how bad is it with so many of their friends and family trying to be brought in and just basically shoved through the gates as quickly as possible? What's the talk about the nepotism aspect? Nepotism is huge with CMPD, unfortunately. Um, I frequently got people that you kind of get the wink, wink, nod, nod. You say this is somebody who was an internal referral and. You know, the pressure's on. The person is somebody who knows someone, whether it's a friend or a family of uh, former or current officers, and you don't necessarily know who it's from. Sometimes you do, but um, the pressure is pretty great to try and get that person through. And when and if something does come up on a polygraph, it's usually a pretty hard conversation to have with your supervisors. And so when you have to have that super that, that difficulty, that difficult conversation, what has been the end result? So typically, um, I'll speak my piece, and then they'll do whatever they deem necessary with that particular person, whether they want to bring them back for additional testing or just continue them on through the process. They make that determination. So tell me about the situation you had involving a supervisor and the best man at his wedding. Yeah, so I had a supervisor at one point who um, – told me that I was going to be polygraphing the best man at his wedding, and he said that he was recusing himself from the process. He didn't want to know about the results or anything. So I conducted the polygraph. I went to a different point person to explain the results. But the next day, even though he recused himself, he did come up to me and ask me how he did. And him being my supervisor, of course, I explained to him there were some issues on the exam. Um, and he, I think from my understanding, uh, the officer is now still employed with CMPD, and the supervisor, I think, had a hand in his hiring process still. So on top of all this, and ignoring certain things and trying to you know, get people through as quickly as possible, regardless if it's like at the end of a very long day and it should be the next day or whatever, but there's also a lot of issues going on in terms of they, they just, when you and your partner, Daniel Smolik, started complaining or saying, hey, look, these are concerns and these are worrisomes, 
they just all of a sudden started changing the standard operating procedures and basically the handbook, if you will? Correct. So we have our standard op- operating procedure for polygraph that was done by polygraph examiners long before myself or my partner ever came in to CMPD. And we would follow those guidelines. So there were points where some of these polygraphs we had concerns and we would point out some of the issues that we were seeing where they were asking us to violate those policies and procedures. So it got to a point where we were speaking up so much that they decided to go behind our backs and not have a polygraph expert um, in the room when they decided to change our SOP and take out pretty much everything that we had concerns about so that we didn't have the backing of that SOP anymore. So CMPD is going back, changing all the rules, just so uh, changing all the rules of all your concerns going, well, they can't be your concerns anymore because we just changed all the rules. Right. That seems, that seems about right. <laughs> that seems about right. Um, Shannon, if officer is put in that is uh, that shouldn't be there for whatever reason, whether it's this temperament, whether it's lying, whether it's his past <laughs> drug use, whatever the case may be, if things go poorly, um, sort of like, you know, there was a whole big thing talking about all those people that with the situation that happened in Memphis, you know, not long ago. If something like that were to occur in Charlotte, what's the end result of that? It's going to kind of come down to the recruiter, I think. I think that recruiter is going to be held responsible. It's, it's never the chain of command. It's always the individual officer or people surrounded by them or the recruiter or the training officer that maybe trained them and got them in. So it kind of stops at low level. Um, and you never see, like, I think the perception with police and how everybody doesn't trust or like the police, um, I get it. But if you knew what was going on up at higher ranks and knew that there was no accountability at those levels, like what you're seeing with the polygraph operators, um, that's a whole wide world that you can open up there and really learn what's why things are not working the way they should and why why, re- why you have to push to get 81 recruits, why people don't want to be in this profession anymore, and why people are leaving. Were things as bad pre-COVID, pre-George Floyd, pre-COVID? Um, they were bad. I think things really started kind of going downhill 2013, 2014, and it was kind of crash and burn after 2020. You know, it, it's just, you know, people know, people have t- called me and said, Brett, we've you know, we, we were in a car wreck or my car got broken into and we called the, you know, called the police and eight hours later, they're showing up to do their, you know, to do the report. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they've sat, had to sit there for a couple of hours in a car wreck waiting for, you know, the police to arrive so they can do the report for insurance purposes, mm-hmm. obviously. So it is an issue. And, you know, and Chief Jennings even said last, gosh, I guess it was almost a year ago when he did the year-end stats, year-end crime stats, and he talked about how this upcoming year and next year, you're going to have these mass resignate or retirements because it will be 30 years since they did their mass recruitment 30 years ago during the middle of um, all the crack, the crack ec- epidemic. And when Charlotte hit its five highest murder rates for 25 years, was during a five-year period during the crack ec- epidemic. So. All those people, it's been 30 years, they're now about to retire. And so they are in serious hurt. And because of that, 
you know, they're changing the way things are done with a polygraph. And so, Lauren, how high do you think this goes? Like, if, if it's your supervisors, do you think it goes all the way to the top, halfway to the top, just inside the recruitment center? Like, what are your thoughts on how high this goes and how many people know about it? I'm honestly not sure. Um, as far as people who I know were involved or had some inkling what was going on, it went all the way up to the major. Within the recruitment department? Correct. The major. And just above the major, how, how high, how far are you from uh, Chief Jennings from there? There would be, two yeah, people. two, Deputy Chief and Chief. Deputy Chief and Chief. Okay, so only one person in between them. Okay, gotcha. Um, all right, so when we come back, we're going to put a bow on this, just wrap things up a little bit, talk about how, again, how they've changed all the standard operating procedures and all the rules just so these people can start getting passed through. And we're also going to talk to Lauren what's going on with her next, as well as Daniel Smolik, as well as Shannon Finn. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to Breaking with Brett Jensen. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here with you. I'm breaking with Brett Jensen. 704-570-1110. And guys, follow me on X at Brett underscore Jensen. All right, guys. So look, WBT is proud to present the 30th annual Hancock's Bikes for Kids. Bike Drive is presented by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of North Carolina. That is tomorrow. Again, tomorrow from 5 to 9. And this year, our friends at Woody's Auto Service have generously made their 14 Charlotte area locations available as bike drop-offs, bike drop-off centers. So it's even easier. So if you live in Steel Creek or Matthews or Mint Hill or Cornelius or Davidson, wherever it is that you live, and if it's going to take you a while to get here to one Julian Price place right here on Moorhead, well, guess what? Just go to the closest Woody's Auto Service near you, and you can drop your bikes off there, and you don't even have to worry about driving all the way down here if you live um, you know, a significant way away. But it makes it all easier for you to come and do all that stuff as well. So make sure you visit WBT.com for all the details and Woody Auto Service locations again tomorrow from 5 to 9. And me and Bo Thompson will be broadcasting live out in that parking lot along with my dog Maggie from 7 to 9. All right, so Lauren Frazier is in studio with us. She is the recently resigned polygraph examiner for the city of Charlotte, as well as uh, CMPD that administered a lot of the stuff or the polygraphs for the incoming recruits. So, and Shannon Finn is with us as well, longtime CMPD officer who resigned over um, some a lot of concerns, including part of it was mental health as well and what's going on with officers to try and keep them healthy. So, Lauren, as we look back on a lot of the things that we talked about tonight, what are some of your biggest concerns? I think my biggest concern has really been there since I started at CMPD where polygraph has always been under a unit that um, has a vested interest in polygraph outcomes, whether it's HR or uh, recruiting. Polygraph really needs to be independent where they have more autonomy and they can um, make their, their decisions without pressure from the chain. And because you are feeling that pressure, like, you of know, course. you know, and, and, you know, between, you know, and here's the thing, you know, and we don't have to get into that, but I just want people to understand that it's not just a, you know, it's not disgruntled employees because they resigned on their own. As a matter of fact, your internal affairs investigation came back 100% in your favor today, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Correct. So it's not like a disgruntled employee that was fired or disciplined or anything like that. You and your partner did this of your own volition. And 
just to back things up in case anyone ever wanted to know, uh, just for you people know, and you guys know that I tell the truth on this stuff, that there's all these emails and and uh, voice recordings as well. So there's a lot of things going on that are out there that she's got a lot of proof on her side. So it's not just a he said, she said. Um, of the of these people that are going through, how many, like, you know, this current class was 81, and as Shannon said, it was down to like about 60 or so uh, that were still eligible. How many are getting through that should not be getting through to become CMPD officers? What percentage, if you had to t- put a percentage on? So a recruiter would probably be a better person to answer that, but I can tell you from a polygraph perspective, this past year, we've had a 25% fail rate for applicants coming through. And I only know of a handful that were disqualified. So 25%, one out of four, is actually not qualified or failing the test, but yet very few of those are actually being denied CMPD service. From my knowledge, yes. From your knowledge. Interesting. Shannon, I'm curious, did, when you were first hearing about all the issues going on with the polygraph with Daniel Smolik and Lauren over here, when they both resigned on the exact same day, were you surprised? Like, seriously, were you surprised at all? No. Um, obviously, like, I think that's a lot of people are now advocating or trying to advocate for themselves and are met um, with kind of the same reaction, like that petty, the supervisor kind of doing the things, getting folks, sending them to IA for things they shouldn't really go into IA for. Um, but at the same time that they left, I believe um, a phenomenal person in HR left as well that was helping officers with workers' comp because she was fed up with all the stuff going on there too. So it's not just polygraph. There's lots of places within the department this is happening. And we already know of uh, the psychologist that was there for a mm-hmm. long time that quit as well that we talked about extensively um, one of the last times you were here. So, Lauren, when you and your partner Daniel decided to turn in your resignations, what kind of offerings did you make towards CMPD in the city of Charlotte? So we actually offered to stay through to the end of the year to help them train somebody new coming in if they were able to get somebody by that point. And if not, we offered to stay on as contract examiners and help them out so that when somebody does come on, we can at least show them the ropes and train them a little bit. Why did you decide to to extend (laughs) that olive branch and still continue to work there? Mainly because I really love my coworkers, and I got to give a shout out to all my coworkers in recruiting because they've been wonderful and very supportive throughout this process. And I wanted to help them at least get through this next class. And we wanted to try and leave on decent terms also by giving them a good amount of notice and allowing them to have an opportunity to find somebody new. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. CMPD said what? They gave us two weeks to leave. Oh, two weeks. Yep. Never, never mind about the two months. Correct. So what are they doing for polygraph stuff right now? Uh, right now, I don't know that they have anybody, but they are looking for contractors. Independent contractors, Correct. 1099s, as we Correct. like to say. Interesting. Um, so we've got about uh, three minutes or so. We have about right around three minutes. So I'll let you just sum up. You don't have to take the full three minutes, but I mean, just sum up your, your entire thoughts about the process of what's going on with CMPD, the recruiting, the officers that are getting out there on the streets that have no business being out there on the streets just the entire process that led you to where you are right now sitting across from me? Honestly, it comes from a place of concern. Um, 
I left because I felt like I was being asked to do things that I just did not agree with. And I truly believe that there are people that are getting through at this point that probably aren't the best candidates. Um, I mean, we all have a history. We all have things in our past. Um, we can't shame people for things they've been through. But there are some people who just genuinely are not equipped for the job. And so what happens now for Lauren Frazier? I have my own private business. So I am a contractor and I'm working with other police departments and probation offering polygraph services. Shannon, what's uh, what's been going on with you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> other than writing extremely long Facebook posts, <laughs> people won't leave me alone. Um, no, I, I honestly kind of the same thing. She concerned, you know, like I'm officers reach out to me almost daily with a lot of the stuff going on. So still trying to navigate ways to assist them because they're not getting it at the department um, as well as still almost done with school. I'll be done probably spring or summer. Oh, okay. So you can call me Dr. Shannon. Oh, <laughs> Next time you talk to me. So. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> That's great. So what are you getting your doctorate in? Um, traumatology. So the focus is officer mental health. Officer mental health. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Are you looking to go to any other departments or are you going to keep independent? I don't know yet. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. So still, still trying to figure that out. Dr. Shannon. I have a hard time calling people doctor. I, I wouldn't even I call my own doctor a Honestly, doctor. <laughs> I wouldn't even listen to you if you said it. I, I, I don't like it. <laughs> I call my doctor by my practitioner by his first name. Oh, what's up, Peter? <laughs> uh, well, look, I know, um, you know, it's not easy for someone who has never spoken on radio or in front of TV cameras or any like this to talk to the media and especially about something so personal and something so fresh. The wound is still fresh, considering it's just only been a couple of weeks. So, I mean, I really do appreciate you coming in here. Uh, you know, the the public safety is a big concern because we know how bad shot has been getting over the last several years in terms of violent crime and everything else with the murder rates going up. But at the exact same point, the officer retention rates going down. And that's not a good diagram that you want to be a part of. One's going up, one's going down. And so the fact that you were able to come in here and tell your story and, you know, and, you know, talk about you and Daniel, I really do appreciate you coming in here because I know that wasn't easy. Thank you. Shannon, always a pleasure. Appreciate you, everything. Always, always, always appreciate you. So thanks for coming in as well. All right, if you missed any part of tonight's interview, you can just go to WBT.com in about 20 minutes, and everything will be up until tomorrow when we talk to you, Bo Thompson and I from the bike drive, Hancock's Bike Drive, tomorrow right here at the station. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Breaking 